ഹായ് എവരി വൺ ഗുഡ് ആഫ്റ്റർനൂൺ ഗുഡ് ഈവനിങ് ഗുഡ് മോർണിംഗ് ആൻഡ് ഫ്രം വേർ അബർ യു ആർ ലിസ്ണിംഗ് ദിസ് പോഡ്കാസ്റ്റ് താങ്ക് യു വെരി മച്ച് ഫോർ ലിസ്ണിംഗ് ദിസ് ദിസ് ഇസ് കോഡിംഗ് ടോക്സ് വിത്ത് മൈ സെൽഫ് വിഷ്ണു ആൻഡ് ഇൻ ടുഡേസ് എപ്പിസോഡ് ഐ വുഡ് ലൈക്ക് ടു ടോക്ക് അബൌട്ട് ദി ഡേറ്റാ ലേക്ക് കൺസെപ്റ്റ്സ് ആസ് വെൽ ആസ് സം ഓഫ് ദി data aggregation strategies for business decision making that are undertaken by most of the organizations uh, myself head ordnet programmer from tiruvananthapuram i have experience working with the different cloud vendors like aws azure and gcp if interested please listen to my previous episodes in this podcast as well as there is an youtube channel which is as of the same name as this podcast coding talks with vishnu in addition to that there is a meetup group please sign in for free at the meetup group and join the meetup group coding talks cloud computing where you will get notifications about the upcoming sessions about the different cloud technologies i am a community builder for aws storage as well so that's all about uh, myself and coming to the data it's one of the most important part of every organizations in this episode we will walk through a journey from the basic data aggregation strategies to more complex aggregation strategies like the data lake and finally up to the new trend in data lake called the delta lake as well we will be covering an overview of all the different approaches that are familiar with and i have seen various organizations working on Uh, based on that i will be presenting some of the ideas about data like in this episode so we'll start off from the basic understanding about how a, a small scale organization or a medium scale organization handle the data many of you already familiar that data is the core of every business most of the service oriented companies or product oriented companies they will be having different applications as part of their organization and mostly many of the applications do have their associated dashboard as well which will aggregate the data and present the data in a meaningful form meaningful way the reason why this dashboards are exist mainly because of the fact that these data are very much helpful in taking efficient decisions especially for the senior management this is one of the reason why in whenever a main decision needs to be taken usually management insist uh, some senior leaders or others to present the data in a more understandable matter because based on the data they will be taking the decision it can be a data about their product how the product behaves uh, recently and also about how the outcome of any new recent product launch or how the overall 
customers are reacting to their particular products they also interested in reviews and all so this way various kinds of data ex- do exist there and in addition to that also from an organization point of view sometimes for the audit purpose and all uh, it there is a need for aggregating this data usually when such uh, need happens management approaches someone from the senior leadership or Uh, uh those who can do uh, the data aggregation so they will either do that manually by collecting the information from different softwares and then maybe present that in the form of an excel document or some other meaningful format that others can understand if it's in a, a kind of a complex decision it mainly involves sometimes collecting the data and present that in the form of some dashboard charts like either a power bi or some form of uh, uh, the visualization tools they might be using in that case these are some of the typical scenarios but altogether if an organization has various branches across the world if they are open operating on a larger scale with a massive set of customers then collecting the data in this fashion especially the manual collecting of data and presenting to the management is not a feasible one because it it will be time consuming maybe those who are listening this episode and maybe those who are already familiar with how a manual aggregation of data and its process involves they might know that it's not an easy task because they might be busy in with some other tasks and in between they are getting an uh, intimation from the management that they need this report and so on so they will be in the process of uh, aggregating that data and in the hurry of presenting that to the management most of the times that might not may not be an effective data presentation which results in uh, the decisions as well uh, in which uh, which uh, which affects the outcome of the decisions as well so for organizations that operating on a larger scale the need for a efficient data aggregation is quite important and that's one of the reason why the data lakes are getting popular these days from the smaller scale manual aggregation of data and presenting it to the management you can think about data lake as a massive collection of data across from across the organizations into a common data pool so that uh, the interested parties can work on that data lake they can clean the data they can aggregate the data and they can even form subset of data that can be presented to the management so that decisions can be taken up that is the concept of data lake and in this episode we will be looking at different ways by which we can ingest and organize data in a data lake we will be also looking at some of the strategies like spark and databricks in the context of the cloud providers like um aws amazon web services and microsoft azure we also will be looking at some of the efficient ways by which we can how to store the data in a data lake using the newest delta lake format as well while i present the this episode as mostly focused on data lake please keep in mind that data lake 
is just one of the solutions for presenting data to the uh, uh, to who are that are interested in that data it cannot be considered as the final solution for all the data needs the reason for this is that we will explain that as we once understand about the data lake uh, as an introduction i will be letting you know that uh, even though the data lake is an efficient organization of data still it has its limitations and that leads to some other uh, different variations of data lake as well that we will be uh, discussing as we go through this episode Once again uh, thank you everyone for please uh, tune in and we can discuss more about the data lake so after um <coughs> listening this episode you will get a, a great idea about the data lake what it is and also about some of the technologies that are related to azure and aws that can help to build the data lake you will also getting familiar with some of the ingestion data strategies that we are using to pull the data from various sources to data lake uh, so one of the key such um, technology or service that we are using from the cloud provider is one is the azure data factory and another one is aws glue these services from the cloud providers can help to aggregate collect the data from various sources data can be from various sources like we in the beginning of the episode we talked about the small scale organizations where they the some of the senior leaders might be collecting the data from some a different software outputs or maybe from some files and then aggregating that using manually using an ad an excel or some some other tools similar way when it comes to a large scale organization that spans across regions and geographical locations then there occurs the need to aggregate the data from various sources it can be the sources from something like the log files it can be sources like social media streams where the customers are express, ex, expressing their feedbacks it can also from various software outputs it can be from files like csv or json it it, it can be from uh database relational database it can be from no sql so different types of inputs and also one of the um, recent trends like the iot devices that can also be considered as an input to this data lake in the context of all these different inputs it is uh, evident that the data lake mechanism must be capable of injecting the data from various types different types of inputs so we will look into all of those things and about the prerequisite for listening this podcast episode there is nothing even if you are having a little bit idea about about the data and its usage still this episode will be helpful for you and also those who are familiar with the data lake concept for them the episode must be a refresher i hope it will be good to have an understanding about cloud technologies that can help you to better grasp the ideas that i present in this episode but it's not a must 
you know cloud vendors like aws and azure have different services and these services can help you to spin up these data lakes in their environments quite easily you can also spin up an environment on premise though the uh, you need to think a lot about while uh, while setting up a data lake on premise because there is a limited scope for scalability and performance when it comes to an on premise and also the initial cost also must be high so the trend is like most of the organizations are either going for some of the cloud technologies like aws or azure or gcp and many others as well so that's the that's just an overview now let's look into the different concept in the beginning we briefly touched upon the manual collection of data and as that manual collection progressed and when the data becomes huge there occurs a need for storing such huge data or a massive amount of data and there occurred a need for uh, storing that data in a database mostly uh, in older days it's the relational database database uh, systems like a sql server and mysql or postgresql were the ones that most organization relied upon for storing this data but a uh, sql server or mysql or whatever relational database management system we can call oracle or whatever it has its limitations it's not capable of handling massive amounts of data so there occurred the need for a a concept called the a technology that finally evolved from the sql from the relational database management system which is called the data warehouse if you look into the cloud providers like aws and azure you can see the warehouse technologies there like the amazon redshift and also the in the case of azure there is uh, azure data warehouse which is also known as uh, synapse data analytics the earlier name for azure data warehouse was called the azure uh, sorry the earlier name was azure data warehouse and that later evolved into azure synapse data analytics there is a limitation by which uh, there is a limitation in using this data warehouse one limitation is that we need to store the data in a predefined structure in a centralized repository and another that's the main thing and this data must be in a relational format because that was the approach earlier used by software developers to store the data many of us are already familiar with the rdbms and we know how to store the data in a column and row format in tabular database like the relational database because of that when there occurred a need to handle massive amount of relational data there evolved the data warehouse concepts so the idea is that it's a small set a small kind of a data lake where different sources different data sources are cleaned up and stored into data warehouse 
I remember a few years back I have worked in one of such systems where we were collecting the logs from different systems and we clean up that logs and store in a data warehouse called the Azure Data Warehouse which is now called the Synapse Analytics and once we store that data in do data warehouse we could pull reports from those data and can be presented to the users or the higher management to take effective decisions it can also be a customer based report as well so that they can take the decisions as well here the the amount of data or the scale velocity of data is too high so we call that as big data because uh, even in a fraction of a second there might be la- uh, thousands or lakhs of data that are ingesting into the pipeline the traditional sql data base is not capable of handling this much loads so there occurred the need for relying on data warehouse like azure data warehouse this azure data warehouse has the capability to inject large amount of data using a technology called polybase the idea is we collect the logs from various areas and then store that logs into a common area which is which which is the azure storage which is the object storage service from azure and this Azure SQL data warehouse has the capability to read data from that Azure storage and can it can ingest the data very fastly than a traditional SQL database it uses a technology called polybase the idea behind polybase is that there is a uh, controller node there and there is a worker node there and this controller node identifies the the uh, the type of data and the amount of data that we are going to ingest and based on that it will parallelly spin up multiple worker process behind the scene so that those workers will be responsible for injecting the data parallelly so the idea here is parallel processing instead of the sql server which inserts the data one at a time this works in the concept of like a parallel processing SQL Server also has the concept called batch insertion but this is much more advanced than even batch processing this is a kind of a parallel processing so this data warehouse has the capability to insert data as well as it has it has also has the capability to export the data from SQL data warehouse providing uh, making it an efficient storage solution for reporting purpose and also uh, tools like power bi has the capability to connect this with this uh, kind of um, uh, sql data warehouse so that efficient res- reports can also be presented to the users so this is a good uh, technology uh, in cloud for uh, for presenting data to the business analyst and also for ba and reporting purpose and this uh, data warehouse is also optimized for data retrieval because at the time of uh, querying it will also query uh, the data based on parallel processing so it's quite good for most of the initial needs that are uh, that have occurred in organization for reporting purpose uh, 
but there are some challenges with the data warehouse the reason for this challenge is that nowadays the velocity and variety and volume of data so when these three are the characteristics characteristics of a big data kind uh, big data type of data where uh, the velocity will be very high for that and the variety of data it can be data from iot devices it can be from streaming devices and also it can be from other files or logs and it can also be an audio or video file so the velocity variety and volume volume is also high there is a massive ingestion of data that can happen per seconds so three ways together form the big data and recently the big data trend has significantly increased and because of that data warehouse is not an efficient solution for handling this uh, big data it can handle up to a lot with the help of this azure data warehouse polybase and parallel processing but still because of the variety of data we need some another mechanism so while listening this podcast you are understanding on by on the different technologies starting from the manual collection of data and now we are we have reached a stage where we came through the sql server relational database system and a higher variant of the relational database system which is called the data warehouse so still there are there is a need for processing large amounts of big data are significantly increasing day by day and especially for organizations that span across multiple regions and different locations they want to take effective decisions based on massive amounts of data in an effective way as fast as possible so that effective decisions can be made based on that data there occurred the need for data lake so just like we call the data lake as a collection of a different in different sources of water from different streams similar way data lake can be considered of as a stream or aggregated collection of data it's a massive collection of data from different sources it can be the relational database sources it can be the iot devices it can be the streaming data and also it can be file logs or audio and video as well so this way various kinds of data can be aggregated collected as it is and can be stored in the data lake so this is important we are not going to alter anything because the data lake mechanism is capable of handling any types of data it can be relational sources it can be streaming data so we will store the data as it is in the data lake and from there we will be clean up that data and then maybe can do one more clean up so that it can be presented to the user so the data lake it's just like think of a common reservoir which can be served for all same way the data lake can be considered as an aggregation of data of different types which can be uh, which can be used as a uh, reliable source of data and can be used by different persons in organization for example if you consider a large scale organization there can be different kinds of users of this data that is stored in the data like on such users can be the decision makers like the ba or the management 
who are interested in different reports so we can depend upon the data lake and can pull the de- reports for them similar way a company is always interested to uh, do innovations so some machine learning kind of approaches they may be heavily investing in or some kind of an automation systems they may be interested in so this same data lake can be used for that that purpose as well for machine learning or other purpose and similarly for data science and other application that also this uh, for that also this data lake can be depend upon similar way uh, so the different kinds of needs can be catered with the help of the data lake so that there, there lies the relevance of that earlier when we were discussing about the ashwar data uh, warehouse we understood that even though it's capable of handling more data than a traditional database still it's uncapable of storing the different varieties of data the data warehouse is actually a columnar format which is uh, optimized for storing and retrieving data still it's not capable of storing the variety of data so the variety is part the differentiates between a data warehouse and a data lake where we can store the different variety of data there which makes the data lake as a kind of a single source of data holding the vast amounts vast amounts and variety of data in its raw format so we are not altering anything we are storing the data as it is so it can store the variety of data at a very large scale and uh, also like i mentioned earlier uh, the data are of different types and on important such data is the streaming data especially the customer feedback and all which are coming from different sources like the social media tweets and all which are a kind of a streaming data that are coming at very high speeds that also can be stored in the data lake so when these different types of data were coming as it is from there we don't have time to define a particular schema for those data that makes uh an limitation like we need to store the data as it is in the uh corresponding system so data lake is capable of that it can store the data in the native format as it is so we can ev- ev- efficiently make it as store there and then also uh if you compare the cost associated with data warehouse and versus the data lake data lake is much cheaper nowadays say for example in amazon web services the s3 can be used as an efficient storage for this data lake and which is much cheaper and also for ashwar ashwar storage can be used for uh, as a data lake for storing the different types of data it's an object storage so it's it's capable of storing the different types of data and it can also scale at petabyte kind of scale and you only need to pay for the amount of data that you are actually storing inside the object storage and the time by which you are actually storing the data so that for that only we needed to pay it's like a pay as you go some kind of model rather than uh, see it can scale up to petabyte scale like one storage account can store 
petabyte kind of data the exact uh, the limitation it's up to, it's like a kind of a it's a it's petabytes kind of scale so uh, that means if for one single storage account you can have that much kind of scale but you don't need to pay for that you just need to pay for how much amount of data you are actually storing inside that so that's one of the advantage of the azure storage and similarly the s3 as well amazon s3 that's also capable of storing that kind of data and this is much cheaper when compared to data warehouse when we were using the azure data warehouse it's it's uh, it's more costlier than the um storage mechanisms uh, because it's it includes the parallel processing as well keep in mind that even when we are storing something in azure storage or s3 still we need to process that and we need to incur charges for that but still uh, come when we compare the storage uh, cost associated with the data warehouse and that of the uh, kind of this kind of uh, azure storage or s3 it's relatively cheaper then the other thing is that even though the relational database structure or the schema can be efficient for displaying the data for reports and all still for the initial storage we must store the data somewhere in its raw format and uh, from the raw format we can analyze the data in a much effective way before converting that to some other format so the data can be very much uh, can be evaluated from the initial data that is stored in the uh, data lake so that makes data lake another benefit for the um, data scientist or whatever who are interested in the actual data also this uh, storing the data like this in, in the in the raw format in s3 or storage allows the different big data processing tools like the allot are there in the azure and aws like the azure databricks and aws databricks um, similar way other data factory and other like amazon glue and all can uh, use this data underlying s3 or storage data and they can process it and curate data so that it can be presented to the user so this way a multi it it may this way a multiple of use cases can be satisfied with the help of this kind of data lake architecture i hope you got an understanding about how a data lake looks like it's a massive collection of data massive collection of different varieties of data and it is capable of storing any types of data at any petabytes kind of scale now we are focusing more inside the data lake and how it looks like how we arrange the data there so for easy understanding of data there are different architecture out there in data lake i will be mentioning about an architecture called the medallion architecture you can search about this in google that will give you more insights into that the medallion architecture is a kind of architecture where we split the data lake into three different layers this is for maintenance purpose of data 
so the initial data that we are collecting from different sources we that's called the raw data and this is the data which we are using for further processing we store that raw data initially in a layer and that layer is called the bronze layer so the bronze layer is the first layer it's the area where all the raw data is coming upon so we'll store that data there it's the raw data it's not it's unprocessed data we will store as it is it's for example if it's a log file we will store the log files as it is there then if it is a, if it's a kind of a json file we will store as it is there if it's some video or other images we will store as that is then it can be some data from some kinds of log mechanism we will store that logs as it is or it can also be kind of a streaming data where it has a timestamp and a streaming data associated with that we will store as it is and for iot devices and other that also we will store accordingly similarly the uh, tabular data like the uh, relational database management system data we will store that in this format so this way a variety of types of data can be stored there and so that called the raw data and we store that inside the bronze layer so this is a single um, data lake but we we divide that into three different layer for the sake of maintenance so that can this can be for the sake of understanding this can be considered of as kind of a three distinct uh, folders for ease of understanding at this stage so just keep in mind that three folders like the bronze layer so the initial data will be ho uh, stored in the raw in the raw data folder then the second one is called the silver layer where we actually clean the raw data that we captured in the bronze layer and we transform the data so we will store here more granular data and we um, enhance the data with more info additional info like we may be classify the data in a more meaningful format and maybe uh, for the sake of presentation we may combine the data from different files as well in the raw data uh, area where we will be capturing the file as it is so there will be multiple redundant files there but when it comes to the silver layer we will be cleaning and transforming the data in a more granular way and finally the gold layer that's the final layer in a medallion architecture in data lake where we aggregate all the data and we finally form an aggregate based on the business requirement and we store that in a way which is optimized for querying and for ba and business analyst or reporting purpose so this is the way so this uh, gold layer is where everyone is depending upon everyone is interested in that data while the bronze and silver layer are used by much lower scale users of data lake so the more uh, senior managements and the decision makers are interested in the gold layer where they get the final aggregated form of domain data from which they can take effective discussions so the bay, so everything is there uh, within the data lake and the underlying mechanism for storing this might be uh, can be azure storage or amazon s3 um we will as we progress in the episode we will also look upon the different types of azure storage and also in aws the ways by which we can store that this data basically it's s3 in amazon and for azure for the case of azure uh, it's azure storage
we have understood the medellin architecture here now the another question that comes at this stage is like how uh, how um, how many data lakes we demand in an organization it depends upon the need of that organization um so there can be a single data lake for the entire organization and which is called the centralized data lake and there is another uh, kind of architecture by which uh, another kind of data lake approach by which we can uh, instead of a centralized single data lake we can form multiple decentralized region wise data lake this is easier to understand say for example if your organization has branches across three different areas maybe uh, one in uh, us another one in europe and maybe another one in uh, middle east so in that case you can you could form data lake for three distinct regions so that uh, it can cater to the needs of those regions that is on approach but uh, having this kind of decentralized multiple data lake adds management overhead because we need to handle the data lake we need to run the associated um, um, associated <coughs> processing and other units as well even in cloud we need to uh, form the wire, wire up the pipelines and all to clean the data and all so so managing this becomes an overhead in the case of a decentralized architecture whereas in the case of a centralized architecture there is only a common data store and it it can be more easy but uh, you need to think about how the decisions how effectively the decisions can make sometimes storing the data all in a centralized uh, data like may not be an efficient strategy especially because there might be regional uh, region wise considerations as well also the case of uh, governance and also data security is another important thing uh, so uh, in the case of europe there will be gdpr like uh, uh, governance uh, should be considered there so compliance rules are there that must be considered uh, while in the case of uh, some other region it might be different so in those cases the centralized approach may not work for data lake so there the decentralized approach might be more suitable in that case and the file format for storing the data that also depends it can store in a variety of format but the most efficient way by which we can retrieve the data is what one of the main considerations um coming to the decentralized approach so centralized means uh, hope you are clear with this i am just quickly explaining everything and going on uh, maybe i can a little bit slow down and explain each part a bit more so that you will get a better familiarity so from when we consider designing a data lake there are different things we need to consider and we were discussing about the way by which how the data should be organized whether it we need a centralized database a centralized data lake or a decentralized data lake so having a centralized data lake is suitable for small organization and it is easy to manage the security the governance and also the data life cycle rules and everything there for a centralized data lake 
So it's not just about we simply store something in data lake and we pull out the reports, we clean up or pull out the reco- uh, reports from the data lake. There are lot of responsibilities also lies when we store the data in a data lake. One of the responsibility is like security because the data is quite uh, sensitive. It can it can include sensitive informations of users. It can also include other sensitive informations like the GDPR and other things. So the thing is like we need to apply security at every level. In the case of cloud providers which provide these storage solutions like S3 or sto- um, um, Azure uh, storage, uh, we can easily integrate those services with the uh, underlying security service as well like the in the case of amazon it's uh, iam and in the case of azure storage it can be active directory so we can apply the user policies and rules accordingly so that only the authorized persons will be allowed to navigate inside to a particular area in uh, in the data lake so that can be handled with the help of the cloud providers if you are handling this on premise by creating a data lake on premise in your own hardware system this security and other and also the governance principle must be quite challenging because you need to handle all those things then another thing is the data life cycle we were storing a massive amount of data so there were times where where we need to purge the data which are no longer required and this kind of cloud provider systems like aws and azure has has provided this data life cycle management capabilities by which we can move the data from one uh, tier to another tier uh, which can reduce the storage cost and uh, it can be enhanced for archival as well this way uh, a lot of things we can uh, benefit from adopting a cloud based service model then the there are some of the demerits that are uh, there in the centralized data lake one demerit is that everyone is depending upon a data lake a centralized data lake that means whenever you modify some schema or anything in the data lake schema is not there at the bronze layer must must but must be there in the some other um, uh, layers like the gold or the previous layer so at the, those layer when we when you make some modifications in the data lake if it's a centralized one you need to be careful because it might uh, depending for other teams as well so the ever change might break their service as well so you need to be aware about all those things and you need to communicate that for the entire teams and it's not an effective way just like um, in the yesterday's episode about the angular we were talking about the modular microservice approach where we can uh, efficiently handle only a sing- uh, efficiently handle a single part of app- application without affecting the other part this way when multiple teams are working having a centralized data lake can be quite challenging and also for the case of global uh, enterprises where they have multiple uh, establishments in different regions like europe us and all uh, different governance policy might need to apply so centralized data lake may not be suitable for there 
So in that case, you need to go with a decentralized approach like a region specific data lake. That is one approach you can. In the case of uh, AWS or Azure, while you create those underlying storage services, you have, you can have the op uh, option to store that or create that service on a region so that's called the region wise data lake and also there is a customer specific data lake can also be considered provided if you are a service company or a product company which caters to different customers in different areas so for those customers you can create specific data lakes as well uh, you need to think about that whether it is actually required or not based on that you can uh, create the data lakes the benefit here in having a decentralized approach is that you can have separate policies for different users, different uh, types of users and regions and it provides <coughs> uh, kind of a faster development and uh, the, uh, the tracking is also improved. Uh, you can, uh, in the case of a global organization, this kind of region based or customer specific data lakes are more effective. But uh, there, in the case of decentralized, there involves the management overhead. And if you don't properly manage all these things, it can result in kind of a data lake which no use at all. We will be storing a lot of data in all of these different data lakes. But uh, the output we are gaining from those data lakes, if it is zero, then it might not be a useful data lake and that can turn into data spams that you need to consider. Then uh, the while we store the data in the data lake, uh, we earlier discussed about the different layers like the raw data we store in the bronze layer, then the enhanced data which we will store in the silver layer and also the curated data we store in the gold layer. So in the raw data, where we store the data as it is, which is coming from different streams, we can store that in the native format. Some of the native formats that uh, are familiar are might be CSV, com comma separated one, then the JSON, then it can be Word document or Excel, or it can be video or audio or images, whatever it can be. Then uh, on the second layer, we will be further enhancing that raw data to make it more presentable to the next layer. So that's called the silver layer. So there we store in an optimized storage format called the columnar format. So one of such columnar format is called the Parquet. So if you search about Parquet in uh, Google, you will get a lot of details about Parquet. The reason why we are having the Parquet is that while the initial uh, raw data format like the CSV or JSON is quite a simple and common format uh, and it can be used by many of the underlying tools like the Excel or Google but still uh, it has certain disadvantages having storing this, this uh, data in the form of native formats like a CSV. Uh, the reason is that when we are moving into cloud and we are using some other services. Uh, the, the 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 amount of data that is scanned per query will be charged accordingly. So if it is a CSV data, it involves a uh, uh, much higher cost than that of the other format like the Parquet columnar format. Also, the 
uh, if we are storing a csv file it consumes a bit higher storage space than that of the parquet format so the parquet format that is uh, developed by apache foundation has helped its users to uh, reduce the storage requirements uh, when it comes to a large data sets also the scan time and deserialization time reduces uh, sorry the scanning and deserialization time improved a lot so the overall the cost must be reduced and also uh, the 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 processing also gets speed up so you can uh, search about the uh, go about parquet in the databricks site where they explain in ta- table about how while we storing a parquet format in amazon s3 um the uh the uh, the the cost associated is dollar 5.75 while in the that of stored in the apache parquet format even for uh it's less than 0.01 so the scanning cost and other cost Uh, reduced dramatically in the case when we use the parquet format so savings is around 99.7% of the cost savings and uh, when when the supporting systems need to scan this data stored in the s3 or uh, storage the initial uh, the if we are storing that in the csp format Uh, the those systems need to scan more and according to the cost will also increase also the query runtime also increases significantly so that's the reason why uh, newer uh, data lake implementers are going forward with the, this columnar format like the parquet which provides effective storing mechanism so feel free to check out about the parquet format p a r q u e t in google where, where you will get more information about that f- format then also the compression the metadata and the fast retrieval of data will be more high if you store in the columnar format like the parquet then on the final uh, layer which is called the gold layer uh, where depending upon the business requirement might be uh, your uh, um organization might rec- have business analysis so based on their requirement or based on the management or the final team who want your actual data based on their requirement you can uh, you can have different formats including the parquet as well so that's an optimized data we will be storing at the gold layer we can also uh, consider this as curated data where we will store the data as it is there and then will be presenting to the actual user it can also be presented to a, some tools like visualization tools like power uh, power bi or it can also present to some other tools like a tableau or something where the management or the uh, respective team can make efficient decisions based on the data so we are discussing about how about how we uh, store the files in data lake we are not at uh, reached to the area where we will be discussing about the uh, processing of data that we will be uh, thinking about those things a bit 
later in this episode we now we are focusing on how we are arranging the data in the data lake so there are multiple ways by which you can arrange the data and some of the design considerations we already discussed like which format to use one and about the different layers like the whether we need a centralized or a decentralized also the the folder structure by which we store the data is also important so if it's an um, uh, um hourly data that is coming in into the um, data lake we can store that in a format like uh, folder structure you can call any kind of folder structure it can be something like a orders or something like a sales or something like a uh target or something or something whatever way and you can fill then uh f- that uh, the the main folder followed by a subfolder called year and then a, another subfolder called month up to hour you can create sub sub folders so the idea behind that is when you want to uh, make some decisions based on those data the the topmost folder can be considered say for example if you want to consider all the uh, orders of this year you can simply pull out the underlying data from that year folder all the subfolders can be considered from the year folder similarly similarly if you are also only interested in a hourly data based report you can consider that from the hour folder so this way the organizations of data files in the in the um, data lake is very important because that affects the way by which uh, uh, affects the time by which we can retrieve the data from data lake also you can have another uh, approach by of organization like you can have a uh, sales by consumer or sales by product folder and then arrange accordingly also in the case of region wise uh, region wise data lakes you can have separate region wise folder as well also if even if it's a common data lake for multiple regions as well still you can have a region wise folder structure there also based on the confidentiality of the customer uh, like a p1 customer or a p2 customer we can protect the data accordingly then based on different different cate- uh, considerations you can search you can do a quick search in google about the different organization consider- organizing considerations for data lake you can ha- you can find it there the idea behind all this organization is that how effectively you can retrieve the data so the the initial one i told about the when we discussed about the sales and orders Uh, so we can create subfolders by year month day and hour will be quite efficient so so this also this kind of approach you can see in the uh, azure data uh, azure devops as well where, where while we create a, a team uh, or a, a scrum team we can follow an approach they are recommending to follow an approach by an year wise date wise uh, month wise and then the date wise kind of a, a full uh, kind of a uh, naming structure they told to uh, they suggest to create there because that way we can effectively filter the data whenever we want to pull out the reports from there so if you want to pull out the report for a year we can take it effectively because we arrange the data like that so that way in the data lake also we should consider arranging the 
data files based on how we want to retrieve the data so from an organizing data file perspective it can be something like say for example if you are storing the raw data and if it's a sales table we are pulling the data from the sales of, and in the bronze layer i mean the initial layer that we discussed earlier we will be storing something in this folder structure format like orders slash the year then followed by the the month then the day month then the um uh, followed by the uh, month then the year and then the date and then follow uh, then the actual file maybe the sales or the target file dot csv and on the second layer this is an example of a single case i am explaining here so in the um initial layer bronze layer we can store in this way on the second layer that's a silver layer we will be storing the cleaned and the transformed data so we will be storing the orders then we can uh, filter it further we can filter it further by customer or or further by region and then we can again we can follow the same structure like a day month and year and then we can store the data in a parquet format which is a columnar format which is more optimized for storing and retrieval of this kind of data a big big data kind of processing and also the underlying systems that uh, that are depending for processing this data can also benefit by using the parquet kind of format and it reduces the cost as well similarly on the final layer the gold layer which is the actual aggregated layer where where the other users are actually uh, end users are actually interested to uh, to make decisions so there you can put something like the respective departments you can put it for example if it's a management uh, a team who want to make decisions you can create a folder structure like management slash followed by orders and then some effective uh, naming conventions like uh, the the sales summary or the um, cost summary or something like that and then the actual data in the format of csv or whatever way the parties are interested in a similar way if it is for a hr department uh, might be if we are store, uh, we are uh, forming a data lake and we want to um, arrange the customer data and all and then uh, if uh, we are providing that to the either to hr or finance department for taking some other decisions that also can be considered aggregately the main point is that there will be three different layers in data lakes bronze layer silver layer and gold layer and as we progressed from bronze layer to silver layer and finally to gold layer the data will be more uh, effectively aggregated so that end decisions can be make out of it then the more other important thing is uh, the cost effectiveness which is not a problem in cloud systems because we are only charging for what you are actually using and also if you use the columnar file formats like parquet uh, there won't be much problem in that also this systems like the cloud systems like amazon s3 or uh, google even google cloud storage or azure data Uh, lake store which is an enhanced version of the azure storage so they are all uh, 
it is actually uh, a single account can st- store petabytes kind of data so it's it won't be a problem so it provides high performance scalability and also the availability is also very high so s3 is one of the initial service that is started by aws next to the uh, ec2 uh, service so and it became an effective uh, service and we become massively popular because uh, the data is a crucial thing in every organization so we can store the data uh, massively in services like s3 which can scale up to any limit and it's also very cost effective cheap and also very high highly uh, it's also integrated the security is another important thing that is also uh, handled in the cloud by the cloud providers because in the case of the uh, cloud prov- cloud we do have the option to create their role based access control or we call that rbac or azure identity um or amazon identity provider so all those things we can create different groups and associated users and we can associate that with the underlying storage mechanisms like s3 or azure storage so that means our data lake can be protected so that only only the authorized persons will be having access to a folder say for example in the case of gold layer in the data lake where the final teams are actually interested in data but only the finance team will be having access to their folders and not the other one so that way we can protect every part we can provide more granular control by using the cloud systems um in another way we can simply think of like this for the sake of security and uh, and how we apply that in each different layer this bronze layer or the initial layer can be limited to just the data engineers and the silver layer next layer which is a more refined layer we can provide the complete access to data engineers and also read only access to other machine learning engineers or data scientists similarly the gold layer which is the final output layer can we can provide complete access to data engineers and read access to other users so this all things if you implement this data lake in a on premise system you need to think about all those things including the governance and everything um this role assignment the security and all things uh, it's got challenging if you develop a Uh, data like in a, in an on premise system where uh, that won't be a problem if you depend on a cloud system because there these things are already handled provided if you are uh, ready to pay the amount for that then while uh, designing the data or defining the data like another important thing to consider here is we need to think about the uh, security that's this is related to the security um along with the rpac or the group assignment and uh, limiting the access for each uh, per- personals to a particular folder where they are actually interested in we also should monitor the data where who is actually reading by 
which folder is actually reading by whom and at what frequency so we should uh, depend upon uh, the uh, storage logs for such information because the data is uh, very uh, sensitive and also it's very important so we need to think about who are actually interested in that data and based on that we should uh, uh, improve the data lake periodically so it's like not like an one time creation and then forgetting about it we need to constantly monitor the data lake and make effective implementation effective uh, updations periodically based on how actually the users are actually using sometimes uh, while initially we uh, dis- uh, defining a data lake and associating some users later might be that user will be moving to a different department and so on so we need to ensure that whether that user has still a right to access a particular folder if 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 so we need to uh, rethink about that and we need to reapply so all these things must be automated so that a, whenever a person moves from one department to another that the underlying uh, data policies also apply in place so that it also can be in place for the data lake as well manual uh, applying of policies and removal is not suitable some organizations are actually doing that kind of way by which there is a support ticket and someone will manually apply a policy but that is not an cost effective strategy uh, and it's also consumes a lot of time and there will be scope for more errors as well automation is the recommended approach Uh, which needs to be implemented when while implementing a data lake so that this kind of things can be drastically reduced thereupon also the finally we are actually storing the data in data lake but uh, see it's take the case of a global organization where they have multiple regions and lot of uh, customers and sales and orders data lake can become uh, within a short period of time it can become massively high so that uh, the interested parties may not be aware what all data are there in the data lake so effective data capturing or catalog mechanism also needs to be in place like uh, say for example some things like who owned this particular folder and its data when was it created and what all data is there in that Uh, what kind of users are actually can rely upon this thing so these all things are actually a kind of a catalog information which should be built on top of the data lake uh, which needs to be connected to the data lake so that then the associated data will be useful for the users so in this way uh, we covered an overall uh, a great deal of idea about the uh, data lake and how it will be mainly it will be having the data variety of data and high volume of data from different data sources so the data sources can be iot devices it can be uh, on premise devices or it can be an assured database or uh, it can be log files it can be logs from the virtual machines whatever kind of data that are actually useful for forming a decisions can be pulled out from different area also we the data for the data lake input we can also depend upon support the tools like the azure data factory 
which we will discuss as a bit later as we go along and then another tools like this sql server integration services which are used by a lot of um, sql developers uh, in the past not just in the past still uh, some uh, many are using that Uh, so the idea is like a sql server jobs can be created which can transform on form of data in sql server to a different format so that is called the ssis so this data lake can also use that as an input tool so that it can pull the data from there so this way different kinds of tools uh, inputs can be uh, collected uh, data lake can collect and store then once it's stored actually uh we need to uh, we once we store the raw data we need to clean it into the bronze layer uh, sorry uh, clean it into the silver layer and to that gold layer so for that we can effectively use some underlying mechanism in the case of aws uh, where we store the data in s3 we can use underlying mechanisms like aws glue or aws data bricks by which we can use spark behind the scene to clean up the data and finally we will store the data back into the data lake there is no mandatory requirement like we should uh, store the data back into data lake itself inside a folder or something but we, if it's uh, uh, okay and if it suits to our requirement we can even store that to a relational database system or even to a Uh, some other data warehouse system the like the one which we discussed earlier so it depends upon the need uh, of the uh, organization how we want to store the data it can also be stored inside the data like in a simple folder structure so that interested parties can look upon then once we store the um, uh, anyway every everything related to the raw data the uh, the partial cleaned up data in the form of parquet and then the final cleanup of data which is stored inside the data lake everything is there in the data lake so it can be think of as an effective data store mechanism in addition to the operational store so uh, in a way theoretically we can say like not just theoretically even uh, in reality we can say like data lake can be considered as an effective operational store of data but in majority of the cases um, operational store must be separate and data lake must be separate uh, because data lakes its purpose is to form the uh, clean up the data and form the decisions based on the different operational data so its purpose is different so we use data lake for that purpose so the final uh, different kinds of data are there in the in there will be in an, uh, different kinds of data will be there in an ideal data lake and reporting tools like uh, either the power bi tableau or excel can depend upon this data lake and form decisions also uh, other important services in cloud services like the uh, the machine learning services and data brick services can also depend upon this data lake to form decisions also analytical tools or databricks tools or uh, different other whatever cloud tools that are helpful to form a decisions they all can depend upon the data lake as a common uh, repository as a final repository uh, so uh, that way they can form the effective decisions then coming to the um, ashwara uh, one thing needs to understand is ashwara has Uh, Azure storage 
the equivalent of that in AWS's S3 while the Azure storage the initial Azure storage was started off like a performance performance oriented um, storage for storing the uh, object any type of data then uh, to make it more compatible with the big data processing and all especially to make it compatible with the HDFS which is a big data processing format and to provide more fine grained permissions uh, on top of the Azure storage folders a second level kind of data Azure storage is formed which is called the Azure Data Lake Gen 1 which is followed by Azure Data Lake Generation 2 so the thing is like if you are creating an Azure storage for uh, if you want to use Azure storage as the underlying mechanism for data lake uh, what you need to uh, ensure is that while creating that make sure the Azure data lake generation 2 must be selected so that the underlying uh, data storing mechanism should, uh, will be compatible with the HDFS format which make it reliable for the uh, big data processing and also uh, individual nested for folders permission can also be assigned based on that in the case of AWS is it will be S3 and they have integration with all the different big data processing systems underneath the scene so there that won't be a problem then uh, this storage mechanisms like uh, whether it's Azure storage or AWS S3 it have a lot of features in addition to the uh, object storage it's not just a simple storage of data it's a storage of data it's a performance oriented scalable highly scalable highly available uh, object storage with lot of other options as well like the lifecycle management is already handled there that means if you want to move a certain set of files which are not accessible for a period of time to a different layer which has uh, different tire in uh, not layer different tire which has reduced storage cost these services do provide the option to move that it's called the lifecycle management if you search for lifecycle management in Azure and AWS you will get an idea of that also the replication like if you want to replicate it across different area you can also have the option that like the uh, there are different uh, replication mechanisms are there one is the locally redundant storage where there would be stored in one region and uh, the data centers are used underneath it will be one while the um, while in the case of a zone redundant storage it can be stored across three data centers the same file can be stored across three different same object inside a storage can be stored across three different data centers that means three one copy in each data center so that means if one data center fails another one can take upon also the redundancy all option is also there so geo redundant storage GRS and geo zone redundant options are also there these all options are there you can see at the time of initial creation of Azure storage or the in the S3 the equivalent will be there um, while creating this 
you can have those options and or later you can modify that as well i believe i i mostly at the time of initial creation we will be uh, think uh, we will be forming a decision to whether we need to have a geo redundant storage or not and accordingly that would be created so these are some of the things uh, which we covered when related to the uh, data um, lake the underlying designing the data lake then the second thing is once we design this kind of folder structure and all next we need to finally pull the data from here so until now we were forming uh, we were thinking about some of the considerations we should have how the folder structure should be there and what all different uh, layers we can have inside a data lake but till now the data is not there we need some mechanism to pull the data so we understood that data when i explained data lake or if you are not still understood about the data lake uh, from my explanation earlier uh, it's actually just a simple data store only with a massive um, scalability and petabyte kind of scalability but it's up to you to pull the data from somewhere and make it ready for data lake to store for that we need to use some dependency services in the case of azure it's called the azure data factory which we can use upon you can also do some other way like if you have a azure storage and a folder structure created upon you can use some other native mechanisms somehow you need to make the data available into the data lake that's the thing but uh, this azure data factory is a kind of a uh, code free it's kind of a drag and drop approach and fully managed everything is managed by azure and it's kind of a serverless data integration service the benefit that this azure data factory and azure glue provides is that you can copy the data from various sources including it, you can copy from a, an iot source or you can copy from a relational database you, you can even copy from ec2 or virtual machine instances a similar way various kinds of 90 plus sources are available in the case of uh, the azure data factory also you can have the provision to transform the data inside azure data factory keep in mind that uh, the transformation facility that is provided by azure data factory is a kind of a uh, basic to medium transformation of data which is based on spark actually you can do some transformations you can set the transformation logic inside azure data factory which can uh, which will be behind the scene work with the help of uh, apache spark to spin up parallel processor processor nodes and do the processing so that it uh, you, with the help of parallel processing it can achieve the task so uh, <clears throat> this way the the services like azure data factory and aws glue can copy the data from different sources to your data lake folder and then finally uh, they can um, uh, not finally they can also transform the data using the underlying mechanism say one thing you need to keep in mind here is that apache spark is the actual one behind the scene transforming the data and in data factory the transformation capability that azure data factory provides is very limited uh, it's not that much limited but kind of a uh, 
basic to medium kind of thing so that means if you want complex data transformations and want to do um, industrial or organizational kind of data transformation you should depend on the a separate service called ashwar data ashwar databricks so databricks is based on spark uh, this spark is actually a kind of a parallel processing system where if you provide something to process like if you want to convert a uh a csv format to some other meaningful format or something you can in, in instruct the spark to do that spark behind the scene uh has two things like it has a worker node uh and it has a controller node so controller node receives the input and it will be provided to multiple worker nodes based on how much data you will be actually having so if you if your input folder like say for example sales slash uh a particular date how this much uh, a, uh, say for example 7 million rows then if you are instructing the spark to do that transformation either using azure data factory's inbuilt transformation or even you can use azure databricks uh, uh, transformation there uh, what it do behind the scene is based on the input data it will spin up multiple services and finally form the data uh, spark is not part of this episode i will be covering spark in a different episode later basically it do parallel processing and it will finally uh, able to f- uh, store that data either inside some other service or even it can store inside the uh, azure data lake as well so earlier while we discussed about the different layers in azure data lake we understood about the silver layer which is the medium layer which is the actual parquet layer so the transformed data can be stored there and finally we may need to do one more transformation of data which can be effective for the final business uses so for that we can use the same apache spark or uh, either inbuilt or the azure databricks based Uh, on and then finally we can uh, store the required data in the gold layer uh, so the azure data factory with the combination of azure data lake like the uh, azure data lake is in actually in fact the underneath the technology is azure storage and in the case of aws it will be s3 storage so on the top of that we need to use either azure data factory or in the case of amazon it will be aws glue or even you can use um, s3 lambda as well or azure functions as well to transform the data based on how you want to transform the data and then um, uh, we can store the uh, data in a final folder uh this uh, this kind of services like the data factory and aws glue are capable of orchestrating the workflow as well so if you have complex workflows that need multiple transformations of data that also can be effectively done with the help of this data factory see the thing is like once you have stored the data in s3 or somewhere uh, in a cap- kind of a scalable system like azure storage or s3 the either with the help of an apache spark like the apache data uh, azure data bricks or uh, the um, uh, azure data factory or whatever way we can transform that but azure data lake by itself uh, is simply a kind of a data storing mechanism only 
which uh, cannot have the capability of doing anything so data lake by itself is simply a data store only it's a it's a conventional it's a kind of a uh, organized f- form of data only but the compute node or the com- computation part is actually handled by either the azure data factory or aws glue or uh, it can also be do by some other jobs um, manual jobs or even by azure uh lambda function serverless functions like lambda function or um the uh, azure functions or whatever way uh, you can but keep in mind that the most cost effective strategy is what mainly we should consider so that's one of the reason why we are depending upon the azure data factory because it's one of the code free fully managed and serverless data integration service it's actually code free code free means we can simply drag and drop these workflows and integrate that the uh, if you open the data factory inside azure it's uh, you can see like there are different input connectors there similarly output connectors are also there so you can connect the connectors to different sources or destinations and finally uh, you need to write the actual code or uh, right or or uh, or drag and drop and make a flow like uh, there are different uh, activity connectors are also there like if you want to copy the data from one source to another uh, a azure data factory provides the provision you can drag and drop and put a activity behind uh, in between an input and output and it will do the copy of data we can control what all data we want to copy and all also also the transformation transformation part also we can write some code using python or sql and that also can be uh, handled python or sql or r these all are supported and that also can be done with the help of a data factory and you will be charged only for the amount of time you actually running the azure data factory pipeline so the pipeline running time the pipeline means it includes the copy pipeline or the transformation data pipeline or orchestration pipeline so these all will be uh, charged according to the time you will be actually running in the case of transformation of data with the help of azure data factory the uh, an extra charge for transforming using the spark will also be uh, calculated behind the scene so it's almost identical whether you use azure data bricks separately or transform data using the azure factory both are uh, almost similar but azure data bricks which is based on the apache spark based clustering parallel processing which is a bit more higher uh, kind of uh, tweak you can make using azure data bricks and also in aws also aws data bricks is there databricks is a company which is formed out of uh, the apache spark and then they optimized the processing so that's called the databricks so all the cloud providers like aws and azure have integrated that into their uh, uh, service so that customers uh, the uh, customers can use a managed databricks service from either of this azure or aws and it also provides a code based approach where you can define the run books inside the azure data bricks where you can define multiple or single uh, run books and uh, different flows can be also 
mentioned there force means uh, if you want to convert from one format to another you can manually do that there so these are some of the things that i like to present here in this episode so thank you everyone for listening this episode and next episode we will be diving more deep into using uh, the aws glue as well as the s3 storage for uh, forming a data leak with aws architecture so thank you everyone for listening this podcast have a great day ahead sorry one more thing to mention here before we are winding up the episode um the when i mentioned about this data lake concepts you understood that it's a kind of a centralized database and then centralized not database actually centralized store and then um, the we will be creating multiple layers until the gold layer and on the gold layer uh we will be serving the custom uh, serving the actual customers like the power bi analyst or data scientist or whatever who will be interested in that data can be management or whatever but the reality is that when data lakes are implemented in most of the organization there are instances where data lake managing the data lake can be quite challenging especially because when it comes to a centralized database the quality of data output that is retrieved from the data lake depends upon the quality of uh, who who form the pipelines and the effective clean up of data so the reason for that is due to the 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 mi um, the data engineers who are actually doing cleaning up of data may not be that much confident with the data that they may might be working on or the actual users who are interested in getting the data so they may not be effectively communicating that to the data engineer so this way data managing data lake will be quite challenging sometimes and it can also result in a kind of a data spam where we have a lot of data in data lake uh, spending expenses for the data storage and all with no use useful decision making data at all so the re, uh, so in that case uh, there is an alternative approach to data lake also there which is called data lake as a service so in this way in this data lake as a service concept the idea is like every team who will be managing the data or a particular data will be responsible for creating the final data that are recorded by the analyst say for example in the case of a spotify where the uh, the customer section uh, who is responsible for creating playlist and all they will be having an idea about the different uh, taste and preferences of the actual users so they can effectively create a playlist rather than from a data lake where uh, a data scientist study all the different facts and then coming up with a discussion so the at uh, the corresponding team who is more into that particular domain will be responsible for creating the uh data uh output that are then finally stored into the data lake as well so such a concept also exist just for the sakeness of completion of this episode i mentioned that here also in the case of 
there's a new tech uh, there's a new approach called the delta lake which you can search in google uh, so delta delta lake is kind of an open store source storage framework that enables building a kind of a lake house kind of architecture uh, with the underlying engine including spark uh, fling trino and all so the benefit of uh, key feature of uh, this uh, delta kind of approach is that it is based on that parquet format and it can it it's uh, the a lot of metadata is also ha- added there can be added there so the asset kind of transactions can be uh, enabled there so this can help to protect your data with the serialization and with the strongest level of isolation also the scalable metadata is supported uh, so it this can help to handle petabyte scale of tables with uh, billions of partitions and file with it and also the time travel can also be uh, enabled in a delta lake which is delta lake is an enhanced version of data lake where uh the on we can easily revert to an earlier version of data for audit rollback or reproduce purpose so there are other benefits as well and also the case studies about delta lake can be found there so these are uh, the one which i discussed earlier like the uh, data lake as a service where the teams responsible for actual uh actual clean up of data Uh, our actual curation of data to be precise i would say uh, so such kind of uh, uh, the teams who actually or more um, related to that data should be the one responsible for creating that data that's that approach is called data lake as a service approach where the in the case of the spotify example that i mentioned the the customer support team uh, or the customer interact team must be able to ca- must be must should be more uh, accurate can more accurately create the playlist rather than uh, an another department who work on a centralized data lake um also um, the delta uh, kind of data lake approach can be used can which can provide additional features like the asset the scalable metadata and time travel kind of things um so just for the sake of understanding i mentioned that so thank you thank you everyone for listening this episode uh, have a once again have a great day ahead